heard that song in so long. Bring back the memories. Oh, yeah. Such a happy song. Aaron. Matt. It's May 9th, 2018. That's right. It's the Soybean Pest Podcast. Oh my gosh. We've entered season nine. This is I it. just called it. Yeah. I didn't I didn't really yeah. uh, confer that with you before. I just we haven't done this for a while. And you so with the it. new growing season, I always think like new season of our podcasting. So let's go with season nine. That sounds good. And okay. that's we can add that that's in our resumes now. That's in our CVs. Yes. We've done eight seasons. Yes. We should be congratulated. We have over Let's 100 celebrate. episodes. Over 100 episodes. Yeah. Have you ever done anything more than 100 times? Um, I've probably eaten 100 pieces of pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and we have two new microphones that work, and I brought my headphones. Yes. This is like a professional. So we operation. sound pretty good. I sound good. Mm. Sound really and... Good. And we're in a new studio. Oh my! Oh, this just keeps getting better and better. You can't hear trucks running by. No, you can't. You can't hear people talking no. from my loosely fit together window. You can't hear the AC machine kicking on and off. Yes. We can't hear Donald talking. I know it's wonderful. Sorry, Donald, but we could hear you. For those that don't know, um, Matt and I have been housed in the insectary. Here at Iowa State, and mm. times are changing, and we're moving, and we have moved, and we will be continuing to move <laughs> for the rest, probably the next six weeks, it's into a, a new building. Moving is a process. Into an oddly named building called ATRB, Advanced Teaching Research Building. For um, those of you who are familiar with campus, I had two right on the corner of Pamel. I had two industrial had education two. building. Yeah. Yeah. And from my office, I can see six cute little baby horses. Oh, man. I think That's they're, are they foals? Away. Or what do you, what do you call know. a baby horse? I don't know, but things will change. Buildings will come and go, mm-hmm. but that horse barn and mm-hmm. those horses will always be here. Mm-hmm. They ain't going nowhere. And you can see people reaching in um, where they shouldn't be and getting zapped. It's pretty funny. Really? Yeah, well, there's an electric fence. You're not supposed to put your hands you in there. Za- you see people get zapped? Yeah. They're trying to, like, pet the horses and give them carrots and stuff. Hey, uh, on a side note, let's start a YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> just people getting zapped horsemen zapped that'd be awesome I'd pay to see that oh my gosh let's put that in the money making bin it's been um, too long Matt I know yeah I really have missed this because you know me I don't get a lot of opportunities to talk <laughs> so now that school's out you're like I need to start talking again yeah, yeah. Oh, I, get, I get itchy you know what I haven't heard I haven't heard I our know. listeners begging for more episodes, <laughs> so <laughs> now that I think about it, my feelings are hurt. They didn't miss us. Yeah. Or maybe hey. they did, and they just didn't see Hey, anything. Dominic, why couldn't you ask for some more episodes? Yeah. It's very mm. thoughtless. Mm. You're not very thoughtful, Dominic. You yeah. know who you are. We liked your mustache. Why didn't you like our podcast? Yeah. Well, okay, so we're in the ATRB. Yep. Uh, I'm still getting used to this new microphone. I apologize. You sound good. And um, it, oh, it's beautiful in here, and it's going to keep getting more beautiful as we continue to move in. And it's climate controlled. Mm-hmm. Mm. And the, the artwork hasn't shown up yet. All of that still happening. So it's just yeah. going to get better gonna and get better, better yeah. as time goes on. Mm-hmm. So, other than that, what other new things should we bring our listener up to date on? Uh, well, new field season starting. Yeah. Um, 
new people? Do we have any new people? Yeah. Evi Air. Did we talk about Evi Air? No. Let's talk well, about it. We haven't it. done it since last fall. Oh, oh has it really been that yeah, long? Yeah, it's been that long. Since November. Well, early November, oh, uh, right around bad. ESA. Oh, my God, that's bad. Yeah. Um, so, Evi Air Valmorado is a um, PhD candidate from Brazil who uh, is going to be, is, what I mean going to be, he is, he's working with us on a project to help better understand pyrethroid resistant soybean aphids. Funded by the Iowa Soybean Association and the Soybean Checkoff. Your soybean checkoff dollars to work. <laughs> yeah, so thanks to uh, soybean farmers, we have some resources and personnel to get a handle on why and how soybean aphids have become resistant to pyrethroids. We brought them some heavy hitters, brad coats and joel coats, to help us with the toxicology. Break down the Coates brothers for us. What are we talking about? Like 16 They're brothers from another mother, but um, they they have different expertise uh, areas. Same name, different expertise. And different spelling, but yeah. Yeah, There's that too. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Joel is a toxicologist who um, helped, what, form the toxicology program here. For over 40 years. Yeah, he's a heavy hitter, and uh, he's going to help us determine what the uh, mechanism of that resistance is. Where in the insect has it become resistant to the pyrethroids? Is it a function of the insect? The uh, insecticides just don't get inside the insect like they used to, or are they increasing the production of enzymes that break down those? And more importantly, are those resistant insects resistant to other insecticides? Has there been um, resistance that has formed with the development of pyrethroid resistance. Mm-hmm. So that's Joel. Yep. Starting at center, uh, one of our wingmen, mm-hmm. USDA scientist Brad Coates. What is Brad? He is an Iowa State alum, oh. but he's a I think a, gen, a molecular geneticist. Yeah, I, I don't think it, I don't think he would uh, take this the wrong way. He's not an entomologist. No, he's a He's a gene jockey kind of dude. Oh, I think. Say he's a genius. Yeah. He well, is. he is a genius. I mean, he's genius. got a different kind of brain, but yeah, yeah. he yeah, speaks he in DNA and oh my RNA God. and uh, yeah. molecules. A lot of acronyms and mm. terms, and mm-hmm. I just he loses me. But he's got some remarkable capabilities and technology at his fingertips. He was one of the, I believe he was one of the co-authors who helped publish the soybean aphid genome. Yep. And he has done work with us, trying to determine how the genomes of aphids that are virulent to different RAG genes, aphid resistance genes, um, and he's gonna bring that expertise to help us see where in the genome the aphid has become resistant to pyrethroids. Mm-hmm. Is that Yeah, and so we're, we're hoping that EVIR can take advantage of all this expertise and, and build a nice project for his dissertation. Yeah. Can. He will. Will. And um, this is kind of cool because some of this sounds sort of ivory tower and academic, but I think one of the things that we're hoping comes of this project over the next three years is some faster markers to help us identify if the aphids that we find in the field are resistant to the pyrethroids. And you might say, well, what's the point of that? Well, better to find out through a test than by spraying the field and still seeing aphids. Yeah, I could imagine visiting a field, okay, it's time to spray. You take a few aphids and see if they're susceptible to pyrethroids. Grind them up, put a little dipstick in, does it change color? That'll inform what what choices to make for an effective spray. So that's our ultimate goal is to help out with that. Yeah. 
And Ibair brings some interesting experience because he's worked on these topics with um, with his masters that he got down in Brazil and the um, the insects. They've they got some there. real problems. Oh they? yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very different in there. Um, I, I'm hoping to go this fall and interact with some colleagues there who are um, asking questions about what's the best way to manage invasive pests like the really? soybean aphid. Now, who are you Bra- going with? How come, I, with, how come I, mean, I don't get to go? Well, you know, you have your own fan club. I have mine. You know, we decided this when we had separate mailboxes. <laughs> oh, now I feel bad. Now I feel bad. I don't want you to feel bad. I'll, I'll let you. You want to come along? Well, I don't want to be getting the pity invite. Let's, let's, so let's, maybe not. we talk about this off mic. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, the, you know, the soybean aphid isn't going to become a problem down in Brazil. It's probably not the right climate for it. Um, but the question of invasive insects that's gonna that's happening everywhere mm-hmm. and how best to respond to them is something that i think we're all kind of struggling with at work in the realm of pest management yeah so anyway there's that mm-hmm. what else should we talk about what are the new things Anything um i heard today that uh, monsanto is going to halt the advancement of bt soybean in the united states halt yeah. Ooh, this so is I don't kind know of big news exactly what that wow. means i mean obviously there wow. was research, yeah. preliminary research going on yeah. within Monsanto, and even, then even taking it out to like academics, yeah. like people in the, in the Mid-South. Um, but I saw today that um, for probably a, a number of reasons, they're gonna they're not going to move forward with uh, production for the United States anymore, and so I mean. Did they explain why? No, um, they didn't explain why, and so I don't know if it was either because they didn't think it would be effective, or if it's just too complicated. Uh, regulatory-wise to get through some of that? I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Well, this has been a topic of discussion amongst our colleagues that do soybean entomology in the South mm-hmm. uh, for years. And um, as far as I understand it, and you help me if I've got this right, Aaron, the BT toxins that would be, that are, that have been incorporated into soybeans are some of the same toxins that are found in corn. Yeah. And they target some of the same pests. Mm-hmm. And this is this. You might say, "Well, okay. Well, what's the problem with that? They worked in corn. They should work in soybeans." Well, the problem is, you want to maintain populations that are susceptible to that trait, and you create a refuge to do that. Well, soybean was considered part of that refuge, mm-hmm. and to introduce in that BT toxin into soybeans, you take away that refuge, and then you run the risk of speeding up the development of resistance. And in some ways, uh, this. This goes back to our discussion just a moment ago about Brazil, that that, that kind of problem has, arri- has arisen in Brazil where you know, it's more tropical, they have back-to-back-to-back field seasons, they get overlap of those traits, they don't have the refuge that we have in temperate regions, um, and they are seeing accelerated resistance to uh, BT traits to the degree that we're not in the United States. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm not. Sh- I'm, I'm sure that plays a part in it. If, if maybe they just didn't see a future, yeah. or if they have another something in the pipeline, I'm not sure. Well, that could be too. Yeah, I mean, if, if what they said was they're discontinuing BT, that doesn't mean they're discontinuing the development of plant incorporated protectants. It's just yeah. that that type of the technology sounds mm-hmm. like they're backing off on. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, there are other companies that can develop and release those yeah, those traits, but. If Monsanto's out, that's probably a sign that... It's a, it's a big one. Yeah. yeah. Is it still called Monsanto? Also a good question. I don't know. I think, I mean, the, the news 
article I read today said Monsanto, but um, it, it might have a different name by yeah, the end of the year. Yeah, maybe yeah. by the end of this podcast. Maybe. Oh. It, how long are we going to talk? I, we got to make up. Is that a challenge? <laughs> oh no, <laughs> we got to make up for six Bring months. It. Bring Start it. Start the timer. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's interesting. That's cool. Do you have a link to where that was? Yeah, I could. I could provide a link to that. Yeah. Um, it was from Emily. Can't say her last name, but I, uh, Ungsby. Uh, You're just it, making that up. No, I, I can. She's, she's great. She's always on top of like the national and international news oh, for okay. agriculture. So uh, she's, she's a great resource to have. You mean you don't spend all of your working hour in front of a computer just surfing? Working hour? Oh, you caught that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I read Twitter. That's where That's... I get a lot of my news, and she's on top of it. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Anything else new? Um, no, except for just pest activity. Let's talk pest activity. Okay. Bring it. Well, you may know that we're a couple weeks behind average growing degree days, and that not only influences how insects develop, because they're all based on accumulating heat units, but it's also been a slow start for planting around Iowa and the Midwest. Okay, not, not to get off topic, I just noticed that it's nine minutes and 30 seconds in and yeah. to us talking about pest activity yeah. and with the soybean pest Oh, we're, we're close to 14 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm just making some notes so that I can create those chapters no, on it's our good. podcast. It's yeah. good because soybean pest podcast. Yeah, fast forward to minute 14, actually. Wow, well, that's why. Yeah, that's exactly why I create the chapters. So, that's good. Um, uh, so we've had that, so cool, wet spring so far. And in addition, I would say about a third of the state is considered abnormally dry or in a moderate drought. So oh, really? Are, that's primarily the southern, th- southern third of the counties in Iowa. Have you looked up on the... That's the, the drought monitor. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so uh, it's been kind of an interesting start. We have gotten isolated showers all over the mm-hmm. place, so that's kind of helping. So things that I'm hearing and seeing for pest activity this year is we've had a lot of black cutworm flights very sporadically throughout Iowa with a couple of significant captures. I know this because we have a an expanded trapping network for moths this year with the help of Ashley Dean. Oh, yeah, and, Ashley Dean. And Adam Sisson oh, and the IPN group. We have about 35 locations for black cutworm and true armyworm this year. And as I mentioned, a couple of uh, sporadic but significant, yeah, yeah, significant captures. And so what that tells me is that, you know, I, I don't exactly know what the latest numbers are for uh, overwintering cover crops in Iowa, but I think it's over 750,000 acres. Wow. And so if you have wow. not, not quite a million, yeah. and yeah. so that's basically the only thing that's going to be green. Yeah. And so when these moths are flying yeah. up from the south, they're really attracted to the, the greening um, weeds and rye and other cover crops. And so scouting for those fields that have cover crops is going to be really important this year because basically they have nothing to feed on but those cover crops. So when it's cold and wet, determination can be really slow to happen. And so that's when you can have that green bridge where you have green, green rye bridge. and uh, corn coming up at the same time. I love that expression, green bridge. It's a green bridge, yeah. And so definitely encouraging people to get out there and scout for armyworms and cutworms. Uh, we've also had alfalfa weevils active for a long time and seed corn maggot adults active for a long time so even though there's nothing up they're still going to be trying to find anything they can and then just this week Uh we had i predicted soybean aphid egg hatch in northern iowa oh really Mm -hmm. uh 
I wish you had told me that at the beginning of this week because I went out looking for soybean aphids on buckthorn. Oh, yeah, they should uh, be. This, I mean, according to degree days, they yeah. should be, the eggs should have hatched. So, um, yeah, so all the pests that you've described up till now, mm-hmm. um, these are things that are active in the field and could potentially cause damage. Yeah. Right? Soybean aphid is one that we're talking about on its overwintering host. Nobody cares if soybean aphid feeds on buckthorn, damages buckthorn. Nobody cares. Right? You probably would like that, um, buckthorn being an invasive woody perennial. But it's interesting to me, I think to us and maybe our listener, um, that it's hatching because last year we saw a remarkable number on buckthorn in areas where we typically don't see that many. In the fall. In the fall, yeah. right. And so the question now is, did they survive? Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a fairly mild winter. I mean, it went there was on moments, and on, but, yeah. right? But it wasn't, you know, exceptionally cold. And the aphid, thanks to the work by Ryan McCornack and others, it can handle those winter temperatures. Mm-hmm. No problem. But were there eggs there? Did they persist? Are they being fed upon by lady beetles, whatnot? We don't know. And, yeah, I went out looking last week, and I saw bud break on the buckthorn, but I didn't see any, I didn't see anything really flying around. I saw a lot of, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but I did see spiders, yeah. you know, hanging out and, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see if we produce the local population. Yeah, so the literature that I was digging into said that oftentimes uh, aphids that do produce an overwintering egg, the hatch usually is coincided with the growth of their primary host, which makes sense. They don't want to hatch too early because there's nothing to feed on. So yeah. oftentimes, uh, right as the, the plant resumes growth in the spring, the eggs will hatch. And so um, they've estimated this and then kind of ground truth this that Basically, for soybean aphid, the eggs hatch just right before the buds swell. And so that kind of matches up with what you were seeing. You said that buds were swelled up. Oh, they've already yeah. broken. Yeah, in, so they in should the be, if they're campus. there, they should be active. Yeah. And then what we know from just literature of soybean aphid biology, they'll produce a few generations on buckthorn and then move to their secondary host, which is soybean, in a few weeks. So um, that's. As aphids, as, as, as I get older, I'm becoming more and more appreciative of an aphid lifestyle because mm. you just said as they you know hatch the aphids become active mm-hmm. yeah what does it mean to be an active aphid it basically means you sit or stand in one spot and you feed yeah continuously. they're tapped into a plant and they're yeah. just shooting out nymphs like just, yeah just eating and mm-hmm. and they're asexual these they're are kind all of females. sedentary just yeah yeah just oh. about you know five a day just yeah. cranking five. them out yeah <laughs> five a day mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I wrote, uh, so that means if you didn't know about that, you're not reading ICM oh. blog. And so oh. I'm going to put a link to that blog. It has a few excellent pictures of soybean aphid on buckthorn. Uh, and so if you wanted to go out there and take a look, but um, you can kind of see what Matt would be looking for. But yeah, I encourage you to subscribe to ICM blog and ICM news so that you can find out sort of these kind of predicted movement and uh, critical timing type updates. Nice plug. Yeah. Nice plug. And a little bit of shame on my part. Well. Drop some shame. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, how are we doing? We're about at 20 minutes. Yeah. Do you want to keep going? We yeah. got some other stuff to talk yeah. about. We can fill this out a little bit more. Yeah. Do another 10. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Ashley. You were going to say something about Ashley? Before. Oh, she's she's been helping me. So she's expressed some interest in doing some extension. And so, um, of course, I'm going to be all in on that. And so she's helping me write. She's helping me do some field days and she's helping me do some other extension related activities our first event 
field day event is tomorrow out at field. Oh, yeah. It's an early what? season clinic for new agronomists and, and just helping them get a handle on how to scout for seed and seedling pests. Can anybody show up to that, or do you have to... Uh, well, no, you had to register, but um, I think what I'll do in the future for when we get back into the swing of this is just keep you guys updated on future events. Uh, if you or your yeah. clients, your your peeps want to get some more information. So another shout out to some peeps. Yeah. Um, we're talking events. June 23rd. Mm -hmm. you got to get this on your calendar. I will. Yeah, I do have it on my calendar. Everybody, our listeners should put this on calendar june 23rd in ames at ryman gardens it's a saturday from 10 to 2 Aaron, i think it's our third pollinator fest you think it's, it's third? third might be i thought it was third or fourth yeah oh maybe it's the fourth no i think it's a third okay third annual whatever yeah um yeah and this one's bigger than ever last year had our our biggest attendance we were at over a thousand people in part because uh, we partnered with the Boy Scouts of America and now just Scouts of Scouts America. of America Boy Scout. Um, but at the time, and this will be true um, uh, this June twenty third, uh, the Scouts can come out and get uh, activities done to qualify for badges mm -hmm. related to etymology, bees, pollinators, whatever. Yep. So, uh, but you don't have to be a Scout to enjoy Pollinator Fest. There's going to be all kinds of events for children of all ages. Uh, there'll be a honey tasting. There'll be... Um, like dance like a bee, walk like a bee. And you get to touch bees. <laughs> Why are you laughing at that? You do. You get to touch bees. The drones. They're perfectly harmless. They're it's fuzzy. Like a petting zoo. Yeah. A bee petting zoo. Pet some drones. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And there'll be uh, people representing different activities for um, conserving pollinators. And that just... That's not just bees, that's also monarchs and other critters. So, full day. Ten Come to two. on out. Yeah, please. And you'll get to see Aaron and me. Mm -hmm. How exciting is that? Yeah, that'd be fun. And it's not very exciting. Um, and the honeybee queen. Oh, or yeah. Honey, oh. honey queen, or is it? Yes. Is she the honey? honey? I think she's the honeybee queen. Honeybee honey queen. queen. Okay. Yeah. And uh, she she's the honeybee queen for the state of Iowa. And the last year, she was... She she won the, the national title yes. as well. Yes. Let's cheer her on. Yeah. Hope she gets that. Good for her. Mm -hmm. Any other activities coming up? You're going to keep us posted with field days. Yeah, there's some things coming up in the, this summer, and so July I'll keep you guys updated. There's a couple different clinics going on, but yeah. Oh, we got some big ones in September. What? What? We're doing our oh, soybean aphid. We have a... we've. Uh, coordinated with PFI, Practical Farmers of Iowa, I PFI. think it's September 6th, um, to talk about some of our host plant resistance work with farmers. with Real MP farmers. Yeah, PFI farmers who are maybe interested in trying some, reducing pesticides and reducing some inputs on their farm. Uh, and this is open to PFI, but is it open yeah. to other farmers as well? That's a good question. Well? I don't know. We should find that out. We need to. We need to confirm but that. But that's yeah. uh, in September, and yeah. Yep. These are things coming in the future mm -hmm. so much so, so much fun out. what else should we talk about should we wrap this one up yeah we've been going for yeah for a long time do you have a fit for us ah fun insect trivia um oh there's the music can we pause the music we should pause the music what the music stop me yes if people want sorry about that 
Okay, yeah. sorry about that. All right, so um, this is a little bit far from insect trivia. Okay. Um, but I, I think this is interesting, especially to list, to our listener of a certain age. Ooh, okay. You ready for this? Yeah. All right, so um, here's the inspiration. We had a meeting of our pollinator working group, and this is a... Oh man, twenty plus people on campus uh, and off campus that are interested in pollinators and bees and ways to help them. And um, at that meeting, we had some students and postdocs share some of their research. One of them was Harmon Hendricksma, who's a postdoc that works closely with Amy Todd, works with you and I as well on an mm-hmm. USDA-funded project. And Harmon was sharing some work that uh, we've been doing uh, as a group, looking at how. You could help honeybees by providing late summer and fall flowering resources. You with me so far? Yeah. All right. And where do you find flowers that bloom in the late summer and fall? Prairie. Yeah. Right? So he's been doing some research, putting bees out next to prairies. And anyway, the title of his talk, Little Hive on the Prairie. Yeah. Complete takeoff on Little House on the Prairie, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I said to him, I was like, ah, that was clever. That was clever because Laura Ing- Ingram uh, wrote that book on uh, growing up in this part of the world, mm-hmm. right? Wisconsin, wasn't it? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But here's the thing about We'll get there. We'll get there. But here's the thing about Harmon. Harmon is from Sweden. I was like, how did you know about this TV show? That hasn't been on TV in 30 years. He's like, oh, growing up in, in Sweden, we watch it all the time. Oh. I was like, oh, it's universal. And I said, that's, that's interesting. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. But that's not even the trivia. Okay. So here's the thing. And I, I, I said to him, I said, wow, you know, so how did you know about this? Oh, yeah, I grew up watching it. And he said, yeah, when I came to Iowa, I was like, hey, I get a chance to see this. And I was like, oh, well, let me ask you this. And this is a trivia. Two-parter, all right? Mm-hmm. The TV show, which is based on the book, La House on the Prairie, where is it set? The show? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Where? Illinois. Oh, God. Hey, don't, don't call it that. You don't pronounce the S. Mm-hmm. You say Illinois. Yeah. But you, just a moment ago, you said Wisconsin. I mean, that's the original. That's where her house is. It's in Wisconsin. Well, I've been to her house. You've been to her house in Wisconsin? Yeah. Really? I went there last summer. Oh, yeah? What's it like? Very small. <laughs> it's a little loud. It's, it's, it's very little. little <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> Look. Captain Obvious. <laughs> you have a PhD, right? Um, so, okay. So, you're, I, I can't argue with you. That is a fact, and, and, I'm, 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 and it's true. That she does have, she her family did have a house in Wisconsin, but they moved around quite a bit. Yes, um, and I believe they spent some time in Missouri, okay, Iowa. But are you ready for this? The period in their life that is depicted in the TV show is set in I don't know Minnesota. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Now this is a bit of a trick question. It is set in Minnesota, right? And and the prairie extended into um, Minnesota but where did it actually uh, and Walnut Grove is the name of the town where they they were in Minnesota but where was it actually filmed Kansas 
give a pause for our viewer, our listener to Google. Now, um, it was filmed in Big Sky Ranch in Simi Valley, California. Oh, strange. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And the reason I thought that was interesting is he had this picture of, you know, from the uh, the opening credits, and it's iconic, right? There's this, like, big hillside, yeah. and there's the prairie. And then the opening credit, the opening, or not the opening, the closing credits is that iconic little girl running down the hill, and she falls down. And you know why she falls down? They tied her shoes together. Oh. Yeah, they wanted to see a little girl fall down. Anyway, that horrible is horrible. Thing. Yeah. But anyway, the... Um, but the thing about that that I think is interesting is, um, you know, not too surprising that it was filmed in California. That's, you know, Hollywood, all that stuff. Uh, and there's a lot of films that were, and, and TV shows that were um, set in the Old West, in the United States, that were filmed in um, the Big Sky Ranch. But what's interesting is the prairie, or that prairie setting, is not the prairie that we would have in in this part of the United States. Um, that late season flowering set of Forbes, um, from what I understand from talking with entomologists in California, doesn't exist. Oh. Those species didn't make it over the Rockies. Mm. And in this way, we have this really um, unique, valuable resource that other beekeepers in other parts of the country don't have. Now, you can you can have a prairie in the sense of a mixture of grass and Forbes, you know, uh, but those plants that we have uh, are different from these other prairies, and it's part of that difference that we're trying to um, benefit from by learning how valuable they are, and then passing that information along to beekeepers. Mm. So, fun insect, tri- fun insect trivia—not yeah. really insect, but uh, you know, kind of somehow related. I think I, I forgot think to mention. It's all connected, man. That April was the coldest April we've ever had in at least a hundred years. Really. Mm-hmm. And when you say we, Iowa. I mean Iowa. Iowa. Really? And likely other surrounding states, oh, but I know. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is really interesting. Oh, but how much? Do you know? I don't know. We just got an update on Monday that it was the coldest April since 1907, and maybe even wow. longer, because, wow. you know, they didn't really track it back yeah, yeah, in the 1800s. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, very cold. Interesting. We're making up for it now. Yeah. We just went right into summer, I feel yeah. like. Well, should we wrap this one up? Okay, we'll play the music for real this time. And uh, you know where to find us on Google at... Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, Pocket Cast, anywhere basically that you have your podcatchers. Aaron's on the Twitter. Uh, Twitter at Aaron W. Hodson. You you can always find us through our email, O'Neill, O-N-E-A-L, at istate.edu, or Aaron at E-W-H at istate.edu. Yeah, or you can just Google Soybean Pest Podcast. And you can go right to our website and check out the chapters if you want to zoom right We're to doing chapters. Yeah. We're doing this, right? We're back We're at back. it. We're back We're in back. the saddle. All right. Don't call it a comeback. It's been here for years. <laughs>